welcome to The Importance of Staying Earnest, the podcast where we discuss the elements of taking on a career in the arts as a young person in the modern day. So sit down, stand up, grab a tea or something stronger and come with us on our journey to find some direction in our lives. My name is Emily and with me is my fellow host and good friend Harry. Hey Harry, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not bad. Good. Doing all right. How are you doing, Ems? I'm all right. We're actually um, recording this on Valentine's Day and that leads me into who we have as a guest um so sorry harry that this is how you're spending your valentine's day but um our guest today is in fact my boyfriend ollie because we are talking about sort of creating your own work and sort of not waiting for people to give you opportunities but making your own as you embark on a career in the arts um how romantic i know what better way to spend valentine's day how do you feel about this scenario harry uh honestly it's quite uh, people who know me well this is quite on brand for me (laughs) just just hanging around where i probably shouldn't be and just kind of ruining everyone's valentine's day well i wouldn't describe it as you're ruining it and hey at the end of the day ollie's being a guest on our podcast true he's the third wheel not me (laughs) definitely i'll let him know um cool well without further ado hi ollie Hello. <laughs> I was actually here for all that, but I didn't didn't want to chime in and in, in butt in as a third wheel, you know. <laughs> Sorry, Harry. But yeah, hi, I'm on. <laughs> butt in uh, all you like, man. It's all good. <laughs> this is Ollie. I mean, I could just talk about who you are and what you do, but would you rather introduce yourself? Yeah, I can introduce myself. Thank you. I'm Ollie. I'm a Manchester-based composer and arranger and singer. Uh, I graduated from the RNCM run on the College of Music a couple of years ago and I stayed on here working in Manchester and I direct a vocal group called the Apex Singers in Manchester as well. And yeah and so obviously like you mentioned that you've got your own group the Apex Singers and I know like we've had conversations about this in the past but I think you're quite a big sort of proponent of yeah making your own work making a your own luck but also your own opportunities. Why do you think that that's important when trying to start into the arts and like why why would you say that that's sort of a good way of going about it? Um, I think it's really essential. Uh, the, firstly, the way I got into doing that, I think is quite important, which is I got into vocal music because I was a chorister at Canterbury Cathedral. And then I got into writing at sixth Big form. guns. <laughs> Big guns. <laughs> I got into writing music at, at sort of sixth form level. And I found that when I was writing music for ensembles that I didn't play the instruments off so for example writing music for orchestras and big bands and stuff um i had so much less control over the final product of the music um be it because i didn't understand the instruments well enough or be it because um you know writing for sick form students they're not going to be able to play everything i want them to play because of their ability um so at that level i ended up starting to write for my own voice and writing for saxophone because I used to play the saxophone. So actually the t- the two types of music I wrote most of at sick form was a cappella tracks for me to overdub myself singing with myself because I had complete control and I knew how that was going to sound and come out. And then also writing for my sick form saxophone ensemble because I also had a lot of control over what was it, that was going to sound like in the end. And I think that kind of stemmed this whole sort of idea of just writing for things I have control over (laughs) and um 
and that also played into this whole creating my own opportunities for myself um and creating my own ensembles to write for that i you know was giving myself briefs for which i really enjoyed and then it sort of in terms of the career aspect that came about when i came to college in manchester and i started you know applying for commissions and competitions and like many people got several rejections you know back to back and it's just quite a lot to go through and I sort of I think it clicked around second third year I was just sort of like why am I trying to force my creativity into these briefs that someone else who's never met me before has designed Um, and I think that does work for some people some people like to have those restrictions but personally um, it just didn't make sense to me and I decided very early on in my degree that I knew I was going to want to create an ensemble to graduate with that I was basically had complete control over. I was writing for singers that I knew the voices of inside out and I was creating music that I was creating the briefs for. Mm. Um, So, and that's kind of where this ethos came about for me of, well, would I rather spend, you know, all this time writing a piece to a brief that someone else has set on the off chance that if they like the music I write, I might get a grand in prize money. Or would I rather spend this time writing a piece of music for a group of musicians that I know and have met and understand how they work to a brief that I want to do and I'm passionate about. And instead of the prize money, getting a performance out of it or a recording that's Mm going to further my career, you know? And that was like the decision I had to make in second, third year. Yeah, I think, I mean, so obviously I'm not a writer. I mean, obviously neither me nor Harry are musicians, so we're coming at this from more of a theatre, TV, film perspective. But I know that um, since graduating, I've very much kind of, I suppose, gone through some of those same things that I suppose you went through just a bit earlier because you went down the vocational route of going to a conservatoire rather than, like, academic Mm. university. Yeah, and there's a big difference there as well. Yeah, Yeah. huge. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I, I definitely get that on the like side of kind of getting frustrated when you're putting all this time and energy into applying and pitching ideas and such for people who might just turn around and say, oh, no, we prefer this other one, which, you know, is fine. But I think, yeah, I, I guess I, I'm basically just saying that I agree with you in terms of, you know, it's so much more rewarding to spend that same amount of time working on things that you know that you can actually do and will come into fruition well i think this is the other thing is it's a lot of it is to do with the long term and looking at yeah. the long term of it um i do think that those competition and commissions obviously have their place and they're really good uh, at doing certain things and for certain people um and obviously i kind of wouldn't have the ethos i have now of creating my own opportunities if i hadn't gone through that process yeah and you feel like that's more fulfilling to have gone down that route for me um, but that's yeah. what i'm saying i'm not saying that what i'm doing is, is a right or wrong that's just the route i no, ended up going down um and yeah i mean now i love the apex thing as tandy will probably tell you the apex thing is kind of my life so yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> which i'm super pleased about because it's something that is has just come from passion like it's Every, every decision that's been made about the group and its sound world and its ethos and everything that the Apex Singer stands for has been made by myself over the last three years. Whereas I could be a composer sat here and I could be 
equally as successful slash unsuccessful <laughs> um having done commissions and competitions and following other people's briefs and i guess yeah. also like so as someone who because i mean we sort of ended up actually as it happens we kind of got together about the same time that you created the apex singers i've, I've sort of seen you and been there while you've done quite a lot of it and i mean you work phenomenal hours into like you put so so much time yeah, effort energy all the time <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know how to take a break but i mean but and actually now that i've sort of started up proxemics i i get it more i mean the amount of times over the last couple of years i've told you like just take a day off or like an afternoon or just plan to do something nice for yourself mm. and now i i do get it because when you're starting out you're effectively trying to do like at least five people's jobs granted on a smaller scale than they would be to when it's like a bigger established company group or whatever but you know you can't afford to pay a separate marketing manager and someone to like do all the scheduling and you know you're, you're having to do all the business side as well as the creative side um and that does just take time and it's I, I think it's quite easy to fall into this trap of feeling like well if I'm just sort of sat around watching tv for the afternoon well actually I could be using that time to further what I'm creating and to get ahead of these other things that I know I need to do before next week because I said that I'd get this done and this done and I, I think it is hard to strike that balance I think it's especially been hard during the lockdown yeah because we were having this conversation was, the other day i was about to ask if it's yeah. the opposite now you can't do anything else <laughs> <laughs> well so but yes but i guess what i'm saying is it is unhealthy <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> to a certain extent to work as much as i occasionally do and tend to as well with both and now you don't even have the you don't even have the excuse exactly yeah exactly we were literally saying the other day the joy of actually being able to go away on a holiday is you can't work well, to a yeah. certain extent, obviously. Uh, <laughs> you but, can take but, your laptop. <laughs> yeah, but the idea of being away from, you know, your setup, your, where your contacts are and everything. Whereas what we were saying was we, while at the moment we can say, okay, well, we're going to take a week off here, you know, as a holiday or half term, end of term, yeah. whatever. It's, we're still here. <laughs> yeah, so it's always there. Kind it's of always looming. there. And so it's still like, even if we try not to do anything, it's still like, we really ought to be because that's the way yeah. unfortunately a lot of creators are wired in this industry yeah. now is that every minute that you're not spent working on your career and your passion you're falling behind of everyone else yeah Which i think there's a shame a, because it's not healthy. there's a <laughs> well no that's the interest that's the other thing that i was going to bring up which is that case of there's a narrative that goes around and i think we've discussed this emily the the competitive narrative of every minute that you're not working is a minute someone else is and that's mm. what's going to cause yeah. them to beat yeah. you and that can become insane i've suffered quite a bit with that which is i have a very very annoying lazy streak in me that my body will just basically say i reject doing anything today stop doing things and my yeah. brain will have the opposite which is i kind of have to do things today but it's literally like lifting a lead weight from my shoulders just to sit down and type something or work on something. And even for this podcast, it's things like I've got to do the graphic design work. And sometimes I'll sit down and it's like, that's great. But then I'll go do something else. And always in the back of my mind is that's not done. You need to spend an hour yeah. finishing this. Yeah. And so do you have <laughs> any ways of dealing with that? Either of you? Um, 
well, suffering? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, I've, I mean, so I like Harry, obviously you've known me since school and I have never been good at being bored. Like I've always been someone who's had a million things on the go. Um, Minimum six projects juggle. Yep. Well, yeah, the other day we had this conversation didn't we? and you described me mm-hmm. as a juggler and you as an archer in that I tend to have loads of things that I'm doing at once and I'm I'm quite good at on the whole um, of like keeping them all in the air, whereas you sort of end up almost going like big project all in, like all yeah, focus on I, that. I really like that analogy. That's really nice. Point me in a, well point done, me in a direction. <laughs> juggler and archer. That's um, nice. And so I, I think because I do have like quite a, busy brain usually I am quite good at just sort of uh, at least eventually getting to a point when I'm like I will feel better when I do something um and again I guess that kind mm. of le- like is why I find it hard sometimes to not do things <laughs> um so I, yeah I guess for me it's more of if I'm feeling stressed out about you about things it's usually because I have I need to be doing this 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 um yeah. and Either I myself will eventually go like, right, come on now. Yes, I'm not going to get all of those things done today. That's like there physically are not enough hours in the day to do that, even if I pulled an all nighter. So let's try and get this, this and this done over the next few hours. Brilliant. Um, And when I can't do that myself, Ollie's actually very good when I'm panicking and flapping. He'll be like, well, what can you do right now? Go on then. Like what's what's stopping you from doing it? This might sound like a left field question, but Ollie, are you a morning person or like a night a night owl? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, probably a night owl. Yes. I, I yeah. feel like a lot of creators are they. I've yeah. got a lot of a lot of friends in the industry who are mostly night owls, and I think it probably stems from the whole, you know, gigs and concerts and events always in the evening, mm. and then you socialize afterwards. That's it. <laughs> Obviously, Tandy's a morning person now because of all her tv things well yeah so i mean the main job i'm working on at the moment so i do some saturday morning tv so i'm up at like 4 a.m every saturday and i mean trust that is that's not the same story every other day of the week um and that does kill me off a bit but um but even naturally i am definitely more of a morning person Mm -hmm. than you are oh yeah i wanted to cycle back to what we were talking about before um about what do we do about feeling guilty oh yeah not working oh of course yeah um because there's a lot of that going around at the moment. Yeah. I think I so. I think yeah. a lot of creatives, because of the lockdown, are feeling like they ought to be doing stuff, especially because um, everyone who is doing things, that all their output has gone online and onto social media because yeah. we can't do anything in person. So seemingly, to a lot of us, it looks like there's all of a sudden this huge influx of people who are doing things with their careers. But actually, it's probably there's a smaller ratio of people who are you know actively being able to do stuff in lockdown it's just that because everything's online and everyone's consuming things online now it might feel like that um i for me i i'm just one like tandy i'm one of those people who i just can't be bored so i will Mm. give myself projects as soon as one big apex project like an album or um a concert is done I will have the next thing planned and ready to go so that I'm writing or mixing or doing something. Um, And I think that does stem from the fact that I'm doing something that I'm incredibly passionate about. So personally, I never Mm. do feel that guilty or tired or (laughs) anything because I'm just doing what I love to do. It almost feels more like a hobby that I get paid for, which is nice. 
Um, so I think on that point, all I'd say is if anyone is listening who hasn't yet so is at the very early stages of making those kind of decisions, make sure that you're doing something that you are really passionate about. Yeah. Because that will help you in the long run. Well, it's like, mm. um, I remember, so in my final year of uni, we had quite a few people, like, you know, professionals come in to chat to us about embarking on careers. And a lot of people would ask, or, oh, you know, well, how do you get into acting? How do you get into directing? Like, you know, what what are those steps? And literally all of them just said something to the, like, along the lines of, if you want to do it enough, you'll do it. And at the time, I was kind, I kind of was a bit like, oh, that's not very useful That's advice, not very but, helpful, is it? <laughs> but actually, it's true because, and like, mm. at the end of the day, it's not the sort of job that you're going to suddenly, like, well, A, land. You're not suddenly going to land a job as a direct, well, you might, but very, very few people are. Um, or like as a in-house composer in Ollie's case or, you know, anything like that. You're not going to suddenly land that sort of job. Um, mm. And whether it's you having that sort of like energy and motivation every day to create your own stuff or to be applying to these, um, you know, two jobs, two funds, two competitions or whatever, like you are going to have to have a lot of self-motivation and a lot of drive. So unless you really, really, really want to do it because you absolutely love it, you're just, you're, you are going to stop because... I remember having those inspirational, supposedly inspirational <laughs> lectures as well where they're <laughs> like, if you want to do it, you'll do it. And if not, and it sounds so stupid at the time, but it's kind yeah. of true, yeah. unfortunately. It's, in- <laughs> it's interesting. So again, I don't know if you know about this, but one of the big reasons was for us setting this kind of conversation up is to kind of give those lectures or motivational points slightly more perspective. What's it been like kind of trying to follow that? It's almost like the five stages of grief. It's like the five stages of motivation. Initially, you hear that and you go, no, I need the formula. It can't possibly be this this kind of way. And then I think each of us are now in that position where it's like, okay, we're taking action things are occurring and there's there's movement in in what we want to do i think honest i'd argue ollie you're probably the furthest along that road thank you i don't know i don't know (laughs) only in terms of i am definitely not the furthest along that but i mean also so harry you graduated latest out of all of us me and ollie actually graduated at the same time however he did a four-year course on yeah like a vocational course as well as yeah. okay to i'm old one. great <laughs> <laughs> okay you're a year older um but in but what i mean by that is that your final year was basically designed for you to set yourself up for yeah, springboard so out, even I though suppose. you hadn't graduated at that point you were working on like the things that you were going to be doing after you graduated whereas in my final year i was doing a dissertation and you know having to pull most of my energies into doing that academic work so even though we graduated at the same time, like you have been working on it for longer than I have. And then the same again for Harry. Graduating in 2020 is not a joy because ordinarily when you graduate, it's kind of get the ball rolling really quick, right? Go do things, get out, go, you know, do this, that and the other. And the first however many months of that that have just gone by have all been pretty stagnant. And so trying to find things, terrible timing. Yeah, I was like, 
it's going to be great. Sound being class of 2020, that sounds really cool and looks really good on a document. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, it came with the caveat of being in the middle of not doing anything. Yeah. I think it's interesting we clearly all sort of have this slight drive out of anxiety to do stuff and like this need of like straight off the bat out of university like need to be creating things doing things etc etc um and obviously so many people i think particularly those who aren't off to do creative things often end up almost having like a gap year after uni especially if they didn't take one beforehand and like i think a lot of and especially now that i've sort of been in the workplace a bit like i've by and large been the youngest person there and that's not Mm me bragging it and a lot of people have been sort of said like oh like were you not tempted to go do some other things before you embarked on your career after uni and stuff and well as it turns out it's not as if I can really do much traveling at the moment um but you know I I think we all sort of have this kind of feel like there's this rush to do stuff and like yeah I think it's important to you know go and chase the things that you want to do and, and do the things that you want to be doing but I guess maybe an important distinction to make is to make that drive kind of as Ollie was suggesting, like out of passion for doing things and a want to be creating things as opposed to an anxiety of I'm falling behind if I don't. Yeah, maybe. I think the other thing I've found, this might, I don't think it is specific to music, actually. I think it's probably for the broader arts as well. But there are some people who have said to me, so the music i make is arguably reasonably accessible which some people may you know put down to why we're doing so successfully at the moment is we i write very accessible music it's quite listenable to for a broad Mm. audience and i do get the question well i'm doing what i'm passionate about but it's not something that's very mainstream or like so how do i make this work and the one thing i would say is no matter how niche what you're doing is there will be an audience for it if you're an audience for it. Hmm. So if you're passionate about what you're doing, there will be other people out there who want to listen to what you're creating or want to see what you're creating if you're doing, you know, theatre and TV or whatever you're doing. Um, So I think it all does, as cheesy as it sounds, (laughs) stem back to this this idea of being passionate about what you're doing. Um, And again, like we were saying, when you're starting out, you do have to do so many different roles. Like even now with Apex, I still do, you know, a, a stupid number of roles. We would, I was doing a funding app this just last week, and it's just so funny on funding apps because you have to clearly be paying everyone fairly for what they're doing, otherwise they don't fund these things because obviously it's about fund it, fair funding for <laughs> creators involved. Um, but then <laughs> it's also the awkward. Give me all your money. Yeah, the awkward situation <laughs> of where when your name is is under every job bracket and under the fees for everything yeah. it doesn't make sense that i'm applying for funding and and the majority of the money is just going into my bank balance because i'm supposedly doing all these things but i think that's the other um tip that i wanted to say the little motivational thing is really it's so important nowadays to have many strings to your bow yeah it's not yeah. good enough <laughs> that sounds so hard. Wow, motivational. Wow. You're not wow. good enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thanks, Ollie. <laughs> oh, wow. That sounded awful. Not good enough. You're a one-trick pony. I, Get out. I You're never making it. Finish my sentence. <laughs> Welcome to the importance of staying earnest, where we crush your dreams. <laughs> my point is that to succeed nowadays, you can't just 
be good, really good at one thing. Yeah. I think for most people anyway. But you, you might be really, really good at writing serious music. But and that that's great. Well done. <laughs> and like I said, there is obviously going to be an audience for that because you're passionate about it. But how do you find that audience? Well, you've got to be good at marketing. How do you create music that's going to reach people where you've got to be good at managing your time? Yeah. And all, there's all these other little caveats. And how, how do you, uh, com- you know, you've got to be good at communicating with other people and getting a team around you that, you know, lift you up and, and do things yeah. that will help your career. And actually, like, on top of that, I think you also need to, because particularly if you are making your own work, chances are you're not going to be making enough to earn a living, at least while you're starting out. Like, realistically, the first few years, you're probably not going to make your entire living off of what you're doing. And therefore, you kind of have to be particularly good at managing your time because you also need to find some sort of stream of income. Um, and, and, partic- actually, and particularly willing not to sleep as much. <laughs> <laughs> um, as find all the insomniacs here. Yeah. Um, it's a willingness, isn't it? It's a willingness to say, okay, I have to have half an interest in marketing because I have to know how to push my product to people which sounds very cold, but it's kind of the nature of it. <laughs> I have to have an interest in these other aspects of, of the industry that I go into. And, you know, we've made fun of Ollie slightly for being like, you can't have this one thing that you do, but <laughs> he's, he's not wrong. I don't no. think it's a case if you have to be a prodigy in about six different subjects. No, but, but I think you have to like want to do them enough. I mean, Ollie, you've, I know you've really enjoyed like, making websites and stuff like that yeah and i don't claim to be a professional web developer or a you know <laughs> professional manager or any of the things that i do on the side um but it's just un- having an understanding that you will have to do those things in order to get there well <laughs> speaking of your work we haven't actually really spoken much about what the apex no. is are no okay yeah so do you want to explain All right yeah, so your group are. So I've mentioned sort of vaguely throughout. Yeah. The, <laughs> uh, the Apex Singers are an eight-part vocal ensemble that I started ooh, maybe three years ago now. Yeah. It was the that. year we did Henry at the end of the Fringe. Was uh, the year I auditioned. Yeah, and that was 2018. Yeah. Oh, gross! Oh, oh god. Best not to think about. <laughs> Best not to think about. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. So I started the group three years ago, and I. And the idea behind starting the ensemble was I write a lot of vocal music and I understand voices because I grew up as a chorister. I've sung Mm. most of my life. I know how voices work. So I wanted to create an ensemble where I was writing for vocalists and I knew how everyone's individual voices worked and how they worked as an ensemble. Um, The human voice is so so different from person to person even more so than like two clarinetists and clarinetists will hate me saying that (laughs) if you take two instrumentalists they're going to sound somewhat similar obviously everyone has a different style they're going to sound somewhat similar in terms of how you write for them but if you take different vocalists everyone's voice is completely different and that's always massively fascinated me in my writing Mm. and so the apex singers came about because i wanted to create an ensemble where i knew all the individual vocalists and what their sound was and how they blended together in different combinations, et cetera, et cetera. And then the first project we did was called Hiraith, which is an uh, our first album. And that was a folk project. I've always loved folk music. This past year has obviously been an interesting one because after the album came out, the album 
we did an album launch concert at Halle St. Peter's, um, which is a venue here in Manchester. And I think I'm right in saying that we were the last concert yeah, before I think so. they wow. officially fully shut. We were that we were really that on the line. And then after that, we had um, be- effectively our first UK tour booked, which was really exciting to tour the album. And then that got cancelled, obviously. Um, and then since then, it's been a really, really weird year. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But we've we've just tried to keep as active as possible. We created um, an isolation series where we released new music every two weeks uh, during the first lockdown, which is quite ridiculous. And then in December, we performed a live virtual concert. Do you still plan on touring? Obviously, this, with the same album when hopefully all this, all this is over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is, I get this question quite should often, not, actually. Should I have not asked that? Is, yeah. that, a, uh, is that a bad question? I, it's, the group actually have been asking me this as well recently. Oh, really? Yeah, well, because it's it's a really tricky one. Yeah. Because well, as you know, Tandy, and I think I can say this on the podcast, but because uh, it's fairly obvious, but we're putting plans in place to do things as and when COVID is no longer an issue, um, be it recording a new album or mm. hint hint. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> my point is, you know, when we're, as and when we're able to do things together in person again. I guess the debate is, do we record the next album or do we go on tour? And this is something I've been contemplating a lot recently. And the the problem is usually by this point, you know, we're going to be, by the time we're we're safely allowed to do things again, I think we're going to be nearing the two year mark since Here I came out, our first album. Yeah. Because that came out a year ago. And I guess also like irregardless of whether you do have another album out by then or whatever, you do have a load of new material through mm. all of this, these exactly. isolation arrangements that you've done. Yeah. And um, the amount of people who've asked us to make those into a studio album as well, because obviously yeah. those are recorded fairly rough because it's through everyone's home studios. We have a lot yeah. of people wanting us to make. Well, it's also quite fun. You can gradually studio. see the like improvements that everyone yeah. has made as you that's, go along. That's a really fun gauge. <laughs> Let's do this. Go and watch the first Apex isolation arrangement, which I think is Scarborough Fair on our YouTube channel. And listen to the quality of that in comparison to whatever we just released. <laughs> You'll find it wherever. Go on the socials and just listen to the difference in quality. Because I've also done, I've mixed and edited a huge amount of audio since that first one. I've even done a course yeah. since then in audio mixing and editing. So the quality has changed drastically. But yeah, I mean, in answer to your question, Harry, sorry, we digressed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the answer um, is you don't know, basically. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I, 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 I also think that we're probably the kind of group who, long term, we won't. It won't be a case of when we do a concert, we perform this album. I think yeah, it's it's always going to be a case that. of we're just always building upon our repertoire, and whenever we do a live yeah. performance, we can just choose whichever songs we want to do. It can be a combination yeah. of songs from various albums. I mean, now I was trying to figure this out the other day because I thought it'd be a good tweet to try and figure out <laughs> how many arrangements I've actually written for the Apex Singers. Um, and I think it's nearing 50. Wow. Yeah. Not that they're all public. <laughs> no, but still. Uh, it's, but we've talked about, you know... The, hashtag Dream Genie. Yeah, just to kind of... <laughs> to round off what we've been talking about this whole time has been do stuff, right? Yeah. Get, a, get up and get stuff done. I think 
if you've done 50 arrangements for this group uh, that you've pushed across as being the thing that's pushed, like, you know, that's allowed you to bring yourself forward into, into the scene, I'd say that's pretty decent evidence of doing things. Um, yeah. And making sure you're passionate about it, which I know we've mentioned a yeah. lot throughout the podcast. Yeah, it is important. But and like, I'd, I'd be surprised if you can arrange 50 things for something that over three years that you're not passionate about. Which also comes back to the whole overarching theme of this podcast i guess which is make your own opportunities boom yeah boom. well i suppose <laughs> on that is. point um shall we so uh, me and harry we're, we're trialing this out today yeah. um we have created a little segment that we want to try and do with each of our let's, guest let's hosts. see how this goes um and actually this is kind of ironic for this particular episode as we talk about doing projects that you're passionate about and not just doing things to someone else's brief so Ollie, you might hate this. But oh. essentially, we all know that when you're starting out, whether you're, it's when you're a student or because you just sort of need to take the work when, when you're first doing your own bits and bobs, you sometimes end up doing projects where you get slightly wild briefs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so we want to play this game where we will give you a brief uh, and we want you to come up with an idea of how you'd make it work. Oh maybe that's God. what we call it. Maybe, it's what, maybe that's what we call this segment, Wild Briefs. Wild Briefs, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sounds nice. like a boxer brand. Yeah. It does. That's, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Ollie, mm. are you ready? We'll give you a second to think about it. And we've, we've got some yeah, that'd be nice. prompts after. Um, when they say second, they're going to give me half an hour and then we're just going to cut in uh-uh. the post. <laughs> um, I've got other stuff I need to do today. I, I have, yeah, that's um, so do I. <laughs> Okay. Um, okay, so Ollie, you've been asked to write and put together a piece of music for the opening of a new theatre. Unfortunately, they don't have a large budget, so for the musicians, they're going to be using members of staff. One staff member can either play the violin or sing as an alto. One is a bass singer or can play the guitar. And one can either play the euphonium or the clarinet. <laughs> it's great that I mentioned clarinets earlier, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah we want you to come up with how which which of those instruments you might be using what sort of piece you're going to write how you're going to make it work basically but we'll we'll give you a quick second to to think about that okay well i'll, I'll just talk through my thinking process while go I go for it. as well anyway um you got three members of staff here yeah, yeah so you're creating it's a, a trio it's a tree yeah well done <laughs> that's great Killing quick class. math <laughs> so obviously as the as the vocalist and and you know a songwriter yeah you'd think i'm gonna pick for the two that can sing i'm gonna get them to sing mm. the uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know about this because you're always around for my creative process but what one of the am i i'm your muse <laughs> you're not my muse one <laughs> of the one of the, the most time uh staking what's the word time consuming that's it yeah one of the most time consuming parts of the writing process for voices is picking a text for me because i don't at the moment write my own text really so the you know you got to take that into account you know if if i'm writing a piece for the opening of a theater what text am i setting for these vocalists if they're playing for voice you tell me but on the flip side <laughs> if i choose what was it, a violin um, so we've got a violin or an alto for one staff member. Yeah. Bass singer or a guitar player for the second, and then a euphonium or clarinetist for the third. Yeah. So you see, if 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 you're if if you're pitching to me opening of a theatre, 
yeah. my mind instantly goes to fanfare. Ah. Problem is, I can't create a fanfare out of a violin, a guitar, and a euphonium. Arguably, you could, but it might as fanfares bit. go, it might be a bit underwhelming. <laughs> so, I think, actually, that all being said, I would probably want to go with the two singers mm. and go down the route of trying to find a text that's appropriate for the opening of the theatre. Because, cause I, yeah, that, that would be... I think that's a nice way to tie it into making sure that it's relevant to the opening of the theatre. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think if I'm writing for just the instruments, then how how is this relevant to opening of the theatre? The other point I want to make is altos and basses. Oh, that's <laughs> that's a pen combination. That is a really nice combination. Sorry, surprise and tenors. You're great, but you know. You're a tenor. I'm I always find the word tenor <laughs> funny because I always hear tenor as in ten quid. Uh, <laughs> I'm multi-ranged <laughs> Oh, I've heard Ollie putting learning tracks together for the singers Him singing soprano lines is hilarious Anyway, yeah. sorry, get back to you Anyway, uh, yeah, so for, yeah, for this commission um, I would, I think I'd go alto, bass And then what were the instruments for the last member of staff? Euphonium or clarinet mm. Okay, purely thinking about ranges here I might go for euphonium yeah. Just to yes. fill out that little... Okay. We've, we've maybe, started maybe the anti-clarinet club on this podcast, <laughs> I think, today. We've done nothing <laughs> but be like, clarinets, okay, no, no, no. we're not taking them. No. There's no, they all sound the same. <laughs> clarinets, have a, clarinet clarinets actually is. have a great range. They have a great range. So I, I would go for clarinet. Clarinet, alto and bass. Yeah. No, okay. that's, a, that's, a, that's a sick combo. Okay. Harry, have you got any follow-up questions about his piece? <sighs> I know nothing about music, so oh no, um, so that would be I. Oh, well, in which um, case, Ollie, I think you've completed. I think you completed. Did I win? Did I win the game? You win the game. I, you win. Um, Do I get the commission I tell fee? You, I tell you I what you win. Um, so you win when I get off a timer on my phone. Thirty you seconds. Thirty win. seconds of to plug, plug whatever you want. I thought this is going to be a sponsor. I'm the sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I'll tell you when it starts, but you get 30 seconds to plug where people can find you, what you're up to, where you want people to look for you, Apex, anything you want. You ready? In three, oh God, okay. two, one, go. Okay, I'm Ollie Lambert. You can find my personal stuff. Um, I'm Ollie Lambert Music on all socials. And I also have a website, ollielambert.com, where you can keep up to date with the kind of stuff I'm working on. Um, mainly for the stuff that's outside of Apex, so some of my external commissions and things like that. I'm always doing those alongside my group. But for the Apex Singers, you can find all our socials, the Apex Singers. Our website's theapexsingers.com. And Patreon. Follow us on Patreon. That's where you can actually support the music we're making. Oof. I was counting him down. Also, I accidentally sent a 30-minute timer, so that was fun to try and work out what I was doing. <laughs> I can plug Wow, this in. is the longest 30-second plug of my life. <laughs> How um, long have we been here? So, thank you so much for coming on and having a chat thank with us. Thank you for having me. This has been great. It's nice to verbalise things. Yeah. yeah. Have a chat about it. A happy Valentine's Day, Harry. Thanks. I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy it. <laughs> I really enjoyed that conversation actually um, I think what stuck out for me the most was uh, the way that he discussed that jack of all trades style of 
the need to invest yourself in different skills maybe ones that don't come as naturally to you in order to further yourself i think i think that's quite wise because as we mentioned i often find myself being very very focused on one thing and one of my downfalls can sometimes be that the periphery gets lost and so on a project occasionally the thing that it's not even that i don't really want to do but it's just not taking up my whole focus occasionally that can slip away from me and being reminded and informed in such a big way from someone who's had success from it that there's a requirement to push yourself in many different directions if you want to move forward in 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 his and i think in any kind of creative endeavor um i just think he spoke very eloquently on that yeah definitely um, and i mean you know he, he's definitely speaking from experience and I, I think it is sort of the nature of the beast when you are starting out making your own work because you're having to self-produce and sort of like we we mentioned with ollie you're not going to be able to afford to pay everyone to do everything for you and so you're gonna have to put in that time that work that effort but i think the other thing that really struck me from our conversation was just how rewarding it can be when you have that self-motivation to do all of that work and also the time which is obviously a difficult one especially when you're having to to balance doing the work for this thing you want to get moving and get started and you know having to earn money and stuff like that um but the idea that you can really work on projects that are things that you have created or or you have decided that you want to do it's something you've found or you, you found someone that you want to work with whether it is in music or yeah um self-producing a play or a film or a podcast or uh, a tv show or whatever it might be you know i i think yes it's really hard work um but it but it is super rewarding as well it really puts you at the front of it which is really quite quite impressive mm. in that you know you really feel like you've you you if you commit yourself you can create what you want to create and having the confidence to say no i'm going to learn a couple of things and i'm going to get a couple of things wrong and without that knowledge that you're going to throw yourself into different things i think um you you're you're voiding yourself of of your own potential in mm. your own kind of the potentials that your ideas have and I actually maybe, that, maybe that's too grand one word you said there i think is about right in that you you mentioned confidence and mm. i think particularly when you are sort of self-producing there is a lot of confidence you need to have just in starting because as soon as you oh, yeah. I, I know i found this with proxemics um as, as soon as you put these things out publicly you know that there is a chance that in your eyes it might fail um mm. And so, you know, it's creatively very rewarding, but having it all on you and on your shoulders can also mean that it's all on you and all on your shoulders if it if it doesn't go the way you hoped. Yeah, um, yeah, it takes a lot to, to take swings like that, especially starting out because you don't even have the backdrop of previous work that, that you may think like, oh, that's the good work and then everything else, you know, I can have a couple of bad ones now. It's like, no, this is everything you put out. It's like, this is it because this is all mm. I have at the moment. And every single time, it, I, I imagine it gets easier. Um, I, I think the amount that he's done now, I mean, he mentioned, I don't know if if, if you remember him mentioning how much he'd done. Um, you've been there. I, I, I done, remember obviously. it, don't you worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was like, what was it? It was like 30, 40 
different pieces of content that he's made it's like well yeah so they've released the an album to... they've released a load of um sort of pieces as, as singles effectively yeah. over um lockdown as well as various other bits and bobs an ep yeah, at like christmas all sorts the will the will to just push that stuff out and really throw it into and of of the quality that i that i i think it, i think it is it seems uh, the little that i've listened to mm. um i don't know what you what what do you reckon what was your finding what was your key moment in that conversation to be honest i think the main thing for me that ollie himself just completely and utterly embodies is that if you have that work ethic um and even if you don't that self-discipline to uh force yourself into that work ethic um and that confidence to push forward with what you want to do you will have some success whether that ends up being you know big time commercial success that can take years we we shall see but to be able to be having that sort of level of output of things that you are proud of and that people are enjoying that's success um and so yeah yes it's hard work yes you need to put in the hours yes you need to have the confidence to do it but but if you do it it can be a really amazing thing yeah very it was a very positive conversation very inspiring conversation considering we started this to try and you know expose what the grind looks like and we got a very inspirational work hard and you can do things it's like oh wow mm. damn i am gonna go <laughs> and do things but i think that's it if you, like yeah. you will do yeah. things if you work hard you will because if, if you put all that time and energy into something yeah. there will be some sort of output and you know i don't think ollie was for a minute suggesting that that necessarily means that you'll be raking no, in but... millions a year but like I just mentioned, if there's an audience that are enjoying it and you're yeah. putting that content out, totally, that is a success. Totally, totally. Um, so I think that I think rounds so. it all off quite nicely. Um, a massive thank you to Ollie for coming on to speak to us. Um, sort of wrangled my boyfriend <laughs> into be our first guest. <laughs> he was a guinea pig. I think he handled it quite well. I think we handled it quite well as well. Maybe. I agree. We did indeed. We we did our best. Um, it's only <laughs> upwards from here. Um, so yeah, you, you can find Ollie on all social media, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all of the things. Um, he himself is at Ollie Lambert Music and you can find most of his work um, at the Apex Singers. Again, they're the Apex Singers on all your social media. Go check them out on YouTube. They've got some beautiful music videos on there spotify or apple music wherever you you get your music as well they're all on there um and also on facebook twitter instagram to to see what they're up to next thank you for listening to the importance of staying earnest if you want to keep up with us outside of the podcast you can follow us on twitter and instagram at t-i-o-s-e underscore podcast or on facebook at the importance of staying earnest podcast if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us at tiose.podcast at gmail.com. Please drop us a review if you enjoyed and we'll see you next time.